this is Jeff Combs. You're listening to Nightmare Junket. Get a job at a sideshow. Out of your consciousness, like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that even though he's underutilized, is ecstatic to finally talk the one and only Donnie N. Mm-hmm. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we're blasting some new metal and frosting up our tips as we go into the mouth of March Madness and travel back 20 years to talk the horror classics from our 2002 bracket. And whether or not you have had a peanut butter and banana sandwich, you can listen into our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played, hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, we'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your corn with the K-hole. <laughs> Just get that one out of the way right now. <laughs> Now, uh, you can find us moshing out on social media. Uh, we're slam dancing at Twitter at Nightmare Junk and then uh, doing uh, Picking Up Change mm-hmm. on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And it is on that book of face where we have an events tab, which leads to shenanigans and zombie shenanigans. And as this episode is going to be releasing on Monday, March 21st, mm-hmm. again, we're going to refer you over to screenland.com where they're going to have your. Well, we'll just say genre needs, taking care of indoors. And virtually. Perfect. And usually, as we're here in the month, into the mouth of March Madness, Mm -hmm. we're usually recording these pretty far in advance. So sometimes we know what's going on, sometimes we don't. But we do know on the 25th, that Friday, Mm -hmm. our latest Friday Night Fright is going to be making, uh, no, it's actually, again, I'm glad we didn't record this too early. We would have to re-record this. Is an honorable mention uh-huh. in 2012's entry. Uh, we're going to be experiencing the remake of Maniac. Oh, I can't wait! That is a good movie. It's a difficult movie because it's 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 really a well done remake and dealing with the subject matter. But hey, sorry to interrupt the waxing of the car that's going on of that Friday Night Fright uh, remake of Maniac. As it turns out, future Greg is interrupting interrupting the stream here because the Maniac remake was last Friday Night's Fright. No, the Friday Night Fright that we're actually should be getting excited for that's happening on the 25th. Please join us as we're going to be roundhouse kicking evil in the face. That is right. Join us for 1982's Silent Rage, Chuck Norris versus The Shape. That's what we are actually getting excited for. And if you do show up early, guaranteed in the pre-show, lots and lots of Conan O'Brien utilizing and using the Walker Texas Ranger lever. So we now return to past Greg and past genius continuing to wax the remake of Maniac. And even though that wasn't competing, it was an honorable mention. Anyway, hey. I got a lot of selection remorse. It's part of the madness. So we now to return this uh, waxing of a car already in progress. 
It's it's a good movie. It's got an amazing score that I actually picked up on vinyl. Yeah, it does. And it's got one of those specific. It's got this great piece of artwork, and I realized like as wonderful as the score is, it's it's basically one of the scalping scenes that they depict on the cover. I'm like, you, I can't have that just laying out and about when. Casual company, company. company comes over like, hello, we're the homeowners association. Yeah. <laughs> Just refer back to my incident of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2 right? in my backyard. But it's interesting how like it stays so close to the original, but yet done in such a drastically different way. Well, and we're going to... No, we're not... Again, we're not going to be able to talk about... Let's just talk now just the difference between Elijah Wood and Joe Spinell. And the similarities, because they're both creepy. <laughs> they're both creeps. <laughs> and also, though, you can realize you almost buy it in the original remake when he kind of woos Carolyn Monroe. Yeah. Even though he's just this gnarly, nasty dude. And same thing, with because it's Elijah Wood. He's wooing. Wood is right? wooing. He's, uh, it's what Baggins do. <laughs> so I'm cur- I'm really anxious to see how that plays on the big screen, because that'll be my first time viewing it. On the, on the big, big screen. screen, yeah. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that. Me too. Now, of course, uh, again, screenland.com, they'll be able to look in to see all the stuff that is going on there. But virtually, you can also go to screenlandonline.com, where they have a variety of movies that you can rent. But, again, the madness is set in on a multitude of episodes we've already recorded here, Genius. Mm-hmm. I realize we haven't really plugged our little Patreon film family. Hey, we apologize about that, belly. <laughs> We actually do have a little weird family, uh, film family going on at Patreon. And here recently, within the last week, we'll, we will have released our An American Werewolf in London commentary. So as long as you're on our Another Time another place. tier, you'll have access to that. And actually, in the month of March, from here on out, we will be releasing our commentary mm-hmm. for the winner of last year's previous Into the Mouth of March Madness winner. So whoever wins this year is going to get next year in mm-hmm. March, which I'm I'm one, I'm I, I can't I'm, wait. I'm calling. I know who it will probably be, just based on early buzz already. Here's the thing, <laughs> based on what we thought were uh, obvious choices. No spoilers ahead, but we're we're we're, we're already in 2002. We've mm-hmm. done 98, 99. Mm-hmm. There's some uh, things that I'm sure we'll get some some uh, shenanigans called on us about for. We're either gonna lose some listeners. Or just get like major props from like a weird right. niche crowd, right? That are going. Finally, that movie was champion. Exactly. <laughs> well, if you would like to be a champion, head on over to Patreon.com/slash/NightmareJunkhead, where we do indeed have every tier for you, from a squidly diddly, <laughs> squidly diddly to another time, another place. There we go, man. It's been a while. Squidly diddly. Pra- out of practice with the Patreon, sadly. <laughs> and of course, <clears throat> we're. Here in the year 2002. <laughs> and what's actually kind of cool with this year is whoever does come out of the year of 1982 is going to be battling the winner of this bracket in the mm-hmm. Frightful Four. And man, there are some bangers oh, here yeah. in the year of 2002. Oh yeah, there are some great ones. The The new millennium brought on some great new horror. Well, and think about it though, 20 years ago at this point, I would have been 40, uh, 40 shit, 24, 25. Yeah, I would have been, how old would have been? I would have Just been 20. Whatever your current age, minus 20. I would have been 20, 22. Ah, there you go. So, yeah. oh, 
you were all over the nightlife, were you not? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Now you're not seeing the grin right now <laughs> on Genius's face, but that's see, I that's was recalling there, the, all the like. We'll talk about it later. But the, when whenever in the soundtrack you hear the instinctively, I'm like just digging it up, just remembering my days, dude. This is a great bracket. This is fun. The, the the nostalgia pull on this one is probably going to be overwhelming. The hazy nostalgia the pull. The- it's like, I kind of remember. Some like, I remember but- seeing these in the theater. I remember going to the theater, but seeing them, I don't know. So this is the 20s. Oh, that's so- perfect. Well, like I said, at that point, I was very much still an introvert. And a lot of these that I did see in the theater were more than likely by myself or at least with one person in particular which is definitely going to play into nostalgia as well. Mm-hmm. And because we were very familiar with this year, you know, we were old enough at this yeah. point to do what we wanted to. We were a- adults? Yeah. <laughs> I ish, mean, I, yeah. Ish. I mean, and theoretically, they could say the same right now. Oh, God, no. So, yeah, I don't want to put the reflective back right now. Put that mirror away, my friend. Ish. Adultish. That's fair. That's fair. So let's take an adultish look. At our first matchup here in the year of 2002, and the one thing I will say throughout the entirety of this year, no one can say we are not giving monsters a shot at the title. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of monsters in this year. There's They're all over the place, and we were looking at the brackets and go, man, they're all over this, like, the last 40 years, but mm-hmm. especially within the, the twos. Yeah. As it turns out. The the knots. The knots? Ots? I guess, or the Mots, since we're talking monsters. Yeah, there we the go. Mots. There we go, the Let's Mots. Let's go with the Mots. Let's go with the Mots. And we like to keep it classy here, so our first bracket topic is Universal Plus? <laughs> As we are going to address and ideally look at at least some sort of a universal monster. Yeah, two old school, two old school black and white monsters. Yes, yes, the old school style. And our first matchup is between two two. Masters, well, an established master and, and a an genre and favorite. Yeah, ooh, I like that. I'm doing the masters there, but we have Don Coscarelli's Bubba Hotep going up against Neil Marshall's Dog Soldiers. Which one do we dig into first? Let's do Bubba Hotep. Bubba take, Hotep. Well, well, take care of business, man. Tony, you coming in the house? <laughs> Go back to our Candyman commentary to see Tiny E. Man, that mummy is huge. That's all look I'm at saying. that, man. <laughs> look, take a look at this bedpan, man. <laughs> if someone, when when you tell someone the premise of this movie, it's always exactly it's, it's always funny shit. to see them react because yeah. they're like, "No, that's not a movie." And you're like, "No, it's a movie, and it's a legit, wonderful movie." Outside of the mummy shenanigans, outside of the normal Coscarellian stuff, it's a great film about aging. Mm-hmm. And looking for and looking back at your life, looking at the legacy that's left behind, and also dealing with death, being that, reflective, losing people you love. Yeah, it's it's a very somber and heady film, but it's also weird as fuck. And, and got, then that message can be lost if you're not following along, or well, if you get lost along the way. You're like, okay, hold on, what? There's a there's also a mummy sucking people's soul out of their butt, and it's got a lot of dick jokes. So right? of course, it's gonna easily get lost within there. But that's why I really like this movie because mm-hmm. it has layers, and you can go. This is one of those great ones where you know the horror can serve as a metaphor. But then the horror can also just be horrific. Right. So you can go in as a straight up, hey, I'm looking for just a horror film. 
it's going to nail it for you. And it's got maybe Bruce Campbell's best performance. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to say outside of Ash, yes. It's 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 so wonderful. Number 1, the have you ever listened to the commentary Mm-mm. that he does in the style of Elvis? Oh, he in does it inside of Elvis? Yeah. It's, oh, it's, man. It's it's not bad, man. He, t- he does a lot of TCB in it. It's a really great Elvis. He does a really good character, feeling both sides of it. The whole Prince and the Pauper angle of it. And then, again, like you said, looking back and looking old. And then the shenanigans with JFK and, and just whole, like, uh, him just being trying to survive this mummy attack and you need to anytime you set something in an old person's home or a nursing home or a rest home the shenanigans ensue well the specter of death is already there mm-hmm. and then you add in the great ozzy davis who he actually gave the eulogy at malcolm x's funeral so i mean this is that just prestige I, beyond prestige mm-hmm. and he is just one of those he just adds so much to the film and revisiting it. I'm just like, he's such a goddamn delight because he he plays it straight. He plays it as someone that is he JFK or not? Who right. knows? Gentlemen would never tell. Mr. President, you know, and everybody's <laughs> calling each other Elvis and like, yeah. A mutual respect is found. Finding friends later in life is hard to do. And then again, the heartbreak. I was bummed out when. Uh, um, oh, gosh. Uh, Hi-Ho Silver, uh, the Lone Ranger. Oh, Kim Wasabi. Kim, yeah, when he passed, I was like, oh. But he went out guns a-blazing. he went out guns a-blazing. Uh, that's, that's how you got to do. hope, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and as we both get older, as we're both, when we when we get up now in the morning, it takes a little bit longer. It takes a little bit longer. We got to get our mojo back running little, like, before we take care of business. Yeah, we're closer to the, the, the old Elvis, you know, shooting a, you know, Toy, uh, TV on his toilet, Elvis. Then the beach blanket, Elvis. Mm-hmm. Sadly, let's have where we're veering at this point. I don't know. <laughs> we're not having a clam bake. We're not having a clam bake. Uh, but then you add the Don Coscarellian in to it, with the flying scarabs running around, and and the whole design and look of the mummy himself. He's great. Was cool. Well, and it's based on the Joe Lansdale short story, so it's very Southern fried, and even opening up with the quotes the way they do. It sets the tone for the remainder of the film. Mm-hmm. You know the ride that you're going to be going on. I should be noted. Did you see this one in the theater? No, I did not. This was a rental. I caught this at the Tivoli. This was another of those films, the real weird, weird, weird specialty ones that I caught there. Uh, again, going back to freaking Dead Alive, mm-hmm. to the Blair Witch Project. Like the Tivoli has really supported. A lot of my experiences in the mouth of March Madness. Oh yeah, especially with these specialty ones. And this was another one I remember reading about on the chud.com. And I remember all hearing of the buzz about it too. It's like, oh, from the maker of Phantasm, so know what yeah. you're getting in for. And like, oh, sure yeah. enough, with you know, you know Bruce Campbell, cool. Let's do it as Elvis, cool. Yeah. No, it totally worked. It totally worked. It's just one of those that I always look forward to revisit. Uh, we've been lucky enough to screen, you know, a several. You know, repertory screenings through a variety of theaters, and mm-hmm. just to see so many people experience it, and just again follow with it. I this actually, I would love to pair this with Jackie Brown, yeah, as two just genre films that are fun and entertaining, but are also built on getting older and yeah. dealing with it. But I can also see how it can lose people too, because especially if you're going in for a horror comedy romp, or as Bruce Campbell. 
you know, being Bruce Campbell, you oh, can yeah. go in there and it's, it's not what you're expecting. They play and it so straight. It can it can lose a lot of people, you know. And I think it took me a while to even appreciate it. And it's not until recent viewings did I appreciate it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. And I'm and I so it was as I'd say, it's not quite until you get older you, you realize it. But especially like because it's a good movie. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. it's just might not be everybody's supreme flavor of then. And, you know, so would you call this Coscarellian A24? No, I wouldn't call this Coscarellian A24. I would call this a weird ass movie. Like if you want to go in and see it as a weird ass movie, I think that's that's a precursor before we say, hey, it's a, a reflective thing about aging. It's a reflective thing about this. We got to go in and say, look, this movie's fucking weird. So prepare for a ride. And I don't think it holds your hand with the weirdness. Nope. You got to go in for the ride right then off the gate or you're not going to like this movie. And I think that's why it took me a few time. times to get on that train that actually sounds kind of like classic coscarellian yeah so that works that works on the opposite side of the spectrum we're going to talk about a movie that i fucking fell in love with from the day i saw it and i this is one that i actually came to late myself so let's talk about neil marshall's dog soldiers fucking neil marshall is the shit he again he is one of us he is a hardcore fanboy yeah and but again he's just a talented fanboy i'm not an apologetic uh neil marshall fanboy but at the same time from what everything that i've seen from neil marshall i've really enjoyed go back to our doomsday episode mm -hmm. where we really waxed his car uh the first time i was actually lucky enough to watch this was theatrical through a repertory screening really we hosted oh really Cade. That was your first time seeing that. Was my that? first time viewing. Oh, that I'm was rad. Sure I, that was my first time seeing in the theater. Yeah, because that's it. Didn't get a U.S. theatrical release, mm -hmm. uh, a U.K. film, and it feels very much in the U.K. Right? in terms of especially. But looking back at it now, and I'm like, whoa, it's Sean Paterty, and like, whoa, it's it's this dude, and whoa, it's that guy, and whoa, check it out, it's that. They're gonna fuck shit up. And it's all those guys with accents. That those have British guys ready to fuck up shit. They're like either hooligans or SSA members or like some sort of British forces. They're always going to be concerned about the score of the football game. Mm -hmm. And it should be noted, and this was one thing I was very thankful for because it's not the case in this year. You, that you don't need translation subtitles? No. <laughs> I was going to say actually the, the animal violence in this case. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's so. true. <laughs> but basically, this is a very much uh, Neil Marshall making aliens with werewolves. Werewolves, yeah. And that's a great... Pre basically, look at both of the premises of both of these films. Mm -hmm. They're perfect. And they just make you go, yes, give me that, please. Yeah. And <laughs> so rewatching this one, number one, forgot. I just really forgot how gory this film is. It's extremely gory and violent. There's guts everywhere. There is... This side of American Werewolf in London, some great, like. <laughs> Unprofessional. I can even cut it if you want. Is even fucking potential spam. Wasn't even worth <laughs> Government substitute for meat. <laughs> All right. Um, Outside yeah. of American Werewolf in London, those are the fucking dopest bipedaled werewolves. And here we get and they're smart werewolves. They're not just bestial. They like still retain some sort of like level of intelligence. Conniving. Yeah. That's scheming a, werewolves. That school schemers are yeah. rough, man. I mean, from the 
they let you know in sleepaway camp. You schemers, it's not a good thing. <laughs> throwing sand and shit on the, on the soldiers. No, they don't. They, oh, I wish they were throwing sand on the shoulders. Because <laughs> Instead of the gouging out eyeballs and ripping off faces and shit. Apparently a little Italian in some of these werewolves. And that's the thing. Neil Marshall just relishes in the gore. And from, I'm trying to think of like some of those old school werewolf films where I am actually scared of the werewolf. And it's through the use of their claws and their fangs. And the shadow play. Oh, oh yeah, the shadow play. Yeah. It's 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 it, like kind of Jawsy and werewolves because when you see them, they're all up in your face, but then it takes a little bit, then they just disappear. And then they come back and attack, and then they disappear. I love it. It's 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 a proper scary werewolf movie. But it's also very action oriented as yes, well. Yes. And I think that's another good flavor of, of what I, I like, you know, because I like my genres. I like my genre peanut butter and jellied. And if there's someone that is definitely the kid at the old school convenience stores that when he got he went up to get a soda fountain, he did all of them. The suicide? Because he loves mixing and matching his genres. Mm -hmm. And beyond now, Doomsday, of course, is the mixtape. It goes all over the place. But he stays pretty traditional in this particular film. Yeah. Um I just again, it was a welcome rewatch. Uh seeing all the actors popping up again. It's fun. It, in, in in a bloody, violent way. You know, it's just oh, like you well, just sit back, not saying you sit back and turn your brain off. But at the same time, if you just want to see a, <laughs> assault on Wolfsbane 13, <laughs> you know, then go for it. So if you're going to put this up to if you're going to throw out uh, a recommendation to a horror normie, mm -hmm. a just kind of run of your mill horror fan. Are you going to go Bubba Hotep or Dog Soldiers? I would go Dog Soldiers. OK, just say, hey, to a horror normie, yeah. I'm like, hey, do you want action or do you want like comedic weirdness, weirdness. <laughs> it all depends on the flavor but yeah if for normie yeah i would go with the action as over the weird just for a, a intro solve no that's fair that's fair and again i get it i get it now here in the very first round uh we like again to take the holistic approach so when debating the merits of these two films that we love we're going to think with both the heart and the head so genius let's ask the question which of the two films is closer to your heart? Closer to the heart. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting there. Bubba Hotep or Dog Soldiers? I Since it took me a while to really appreciate Bubba Hotep, I'm going to go Dog Soldiers because I dug Dog Soldiers out the gate. And so for close, because I, I don't, haven't seen neither of them in the theater until later on repertory screenings. Mm -hmm. So seeing him on video i remember this movie is fucking rad so yeah i'm gonna go dog soldiers and this is a tough one with me because having seen bubba hotep during the original theatrical run and again at the tivoli is a good memory seeing dog soldiers at tapcade with you guys uh, putting together a pre-show for a movie i haven't seen you know a trailer reel for films that i've never seen but it still worked because you know i've seen that mm -hmm. um i like a lot of and I, I'm, uh, both of those films no longer technically are around which is the other thing as well. So, yeah. In uh, I and now in terms of nostalgia, I am I'm gonna go. I'm actually gonna go with Bubba Hotep on this one, and only because it was the OG theatrical run. Mm -hmm. And although we could, we had no chance to see this during its OG unless we went across the pond, right? Which we didn't. Now, from the heart to the <laughs> head, we're looking at the bracket topic, and the topic is Universal Plus. However, we're gonna define that genius. I'm gonna throw it out to you. 
Well, when we're dealing with the universal monsters, when you think of the mummy, you think of like, uh, again, scarabs and desert sands and, and all this stuff. You don't really think of like sucking out of asses of old people you know so <laughs> that's a whole different tab you do not want on your search exactly engine. when you think of werewolves you know what you're gonna get you know and so when you if i'm pitching this let's say okay here's how i'm defining universal plus which one would be more universally like defined i think the action translates better universally okay. with dog soldiers than it would oh. be for Bubba Hotep because yes it's dealing with the universal monsters but you know what you're getting with the werewolf you're caught off guard with Bubba Hotep that's fair and I, li I really like that interpretation of the universal plus now I went almost a little bit literal with mine so that your vote goes to dog soldiers dog soldiers now I went a little bit more literal with mine in terms of what are we adding to the established universal monster so with Bubba Hotep we get a mummy cowboy gunslinger. <laughs> that's true. There, that's a lot of plus. That's a lot of add-ons. That's like the uh, the expansion Bolo tie pack. wearing champ. Joe Bob would have been a big fan. <laughs> yeah, of Bubba Hotep. Now with dog soldiers, they're they stay traditional. I mean, they went bipedal. And mm -hmm. if you look at the old Universal monster, they're bipedal. He's a bipedal dude. Mm -hmm. So they're not necessarily adding anything to that. So my vote is going to go to Bubba Hotep, which means we technically have a tie. And when we have a tie here in the round, the first round. We go to the, the cover of a little magazine. Well, what do we do there, genius? We go to the cover of the old fango. Gonna buy one copy for my mother. Gonna watch some movies on Shutter. Gonna see my gruesome face on the cover of the old fango. And as we look to the cover of Fangoria, it turns out both of these movies... <laughs> We're featured, and both now neither of them got the main cover. Both of them were on the sidebar on on the on the, mm -hmm. the film thing. Now, man, that's a tie with Fangoria, right? Well, uh, genius, you actually had a really good kind of idea. So let's do um, the Onion on the Belt Award. Which one is more indicative of the style of the times? So. I Oh my goodness, this is tough because I kind of know where I'm going to go because I was kind of a POS at that time and I actually had some Elvis taking care of business glasses that I would occasionally wear non-ironically. Yeah. And that to me is pretty of the time and that's to me just showing what a POS I was in my 20s at that point. I got to go with Bubba Hotep. And see, I'm going to go with Dog Soldiers because I'm thinking, okay, it's it's coming across the pond. I'm going out to see some movies and movies are now getting more violent. That's Thank God. You know, I want to see some more action and I want to see more Neil Marshall shit. So like... For me, that's more the style of the times of the 2002, because I'm all about action. Here's here's the thing. We're going to call this the Mount Baldy effect. Which one has he not seen? Oh, he has not seen uh, Bubba Hotep. I know he's seen Dog Soldiers. So I, I think we owe it to ourselves to have him experience something new. Uh-huh. And based on that, on that tiebreaker, I'm going to be... I'm going to say, let's put Bubba Hotep into the next round just so he can experience it. Or I know for a fact that Bubba Hotep is not going to be his flavor. That's the isn't thing. Isn't that our job to That's have true. Expand? That's true. That's true. But I know he's going to be like, man, fucking dog soldiers didn't make it. Ah. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's my that's that's the work I am showing at this point. Okay. I think we owe it to him because he likes to Bruce Campbell him, to introduce him to Bubba and it's Hotep. Don Coscarelli. He likes he loves the Beastmaster. You know he. That's true. So I, I we owe it to him, and that and let's. I mean, come on, it's no worse than society. <laughs> I mean, come society on. Award. Okay, okay. He he so, has set through Tetsuo the Iron Man. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and he's set through some other shit too. This I think he might actually like this a little bit. And also, he's getting up there in age. Like, no offense, there, Mount Baldy. He's getting up there in age like us. He mm-hmm. might find the perspective refreshing. Okay. Well, we all should right. probably we should have probably figured this out way before <laughs> putting it all on the edge. But you know what? We're transparent here. Yeah. Into the mouth of March Madness. So. Controversially, and maybe by are you putting? We need a, to put an asterisk. Oh no, this is going to be the asterisk year. This could be. You know what? Theoretically, we could leave it up to this one. Could be up to people. We could do that if you would like. Do you? Are oh goodness, so now you're leaving it to the people. You're making me like the bad guy here, the dictator. Well, and I'm like, no, I. I mean, you can see. Here's the thing. I know you want Baba Hotep to go in, and I want fucking dog soldiers to go in. So it's like that's that's where we're like ah. Maybe, okay, maybe we pull an asterisk on this one and put them through like why round robin of three. Why don't we on fr- the fr- on the day we release the mouth Mar- into the mouth of March Madness selection episode, mm-hmm. we'll put up a poll. Okay, and people will know that those two films are going up together. And all they know at this point is we were just asking, hey, what do you guys think of the? Are, are you, you happy? Do to you see guys these? like these two? Which one of these two do you like better? Huh? Huh? <laughs> That's. There we go. That's well, they're the ultimate. You guys, you listeners, are on the ultimate. We could put it on Patreon. We could do Let it on Patreon. Let the Pallies decide. The film family? There we go. Okay, there it is. It's decided. So, Pallies, this one's on you. Yeah, well, it's already been on them, so. Yeah, so. Because, <laughs> again, this one's not released until well after everything. Hey, what do you think, Pallies? Wow. Okay. <laughs> Hey, it's, you know what? You this is this is the way to apologize for like not mentioning the pal. Hey, 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 how you doing, pallies? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> give, put the pressure on them. That's that's classy. I like that. So no matter what, someone's going to be upset, so we can blame our pallies. Now that being said, controversies aside, let's head into our <laughs> next bracket topic in the year of two thousand and two. <laughs> and now, genius, both of us are homeowners. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know the thrills. Of owning a home and mm-hmm. you know the the less than desirable things. Oh fuck yeah! But I thought I was in one of the movies right now when the water was coming down to the thing. I'm like, oh shit! It's dark gonna water. Come and like, and like, oh, shit, am I gonna have another hand hand coming out of my head? If that's the case, like, you reach the back and the where I can't reach. You know, give it a good scratch while you're over there. Functional. Put, put that ghost to work. <laughs> That's how you exercise the ghost. <laughs> right? They're like, I'm tired of this shit. Will you loofah my stretch marks, please? Instead of writing, instead of saying, get out, it's like, I'm getting out. And then you hear just, like in The Simpsons, dun, 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 dun. or even worse, you're like, um, could we recreate that scene in Catholic High School Girls in Trouble, please? <laughs> <laughs> That being said, that's a long way of saying, I think we've got more invested in our next bracket topic, and that mm-hmm. is Homicidal Hauntings, and we've got two films from 2002 which feature both hom- homicides and hauntings, and we've got The Ring going up against Juan the Grudge. Genius, which one do we start with? Let's do The Ring. Mm, the Ring Let's do now. Gore Verbinski's The Ring. And very rare, do we get PG-13 horror right. into the mouth of March Madness. But quite honestly, the PG-13 horror has done pretty well. Wasn't uh, Insidious mm-hmm. PG-13? Yeah, Insidious it, is PG-13. And it did really well. By any chance, did you see this one in the theater? 
did I see the ring in the theater? Yes, I did. I remember because I heard about it, and this was uh, when J Horror was coming out big. Yes. And I remember seeing the like hearing the buzz about it. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go see what it is about. And that opened the floodgates for me because I started watching a whole bunch of like other J Horror because of seeing the Ring of the Theater. Yeah. So yeah, it was slick. Yeah, and this is one I actually didn't see until later. It was a rental down the line, and but at that point though, I heard of. You know, the J-horror craze mm -hmm. that's going on. You couldn't escape it. No. For the most part. Uh -uh, that's what... It was everywhere. And the good thing is, though, is it's legit good. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got Gore Verbinski, and it doesn't erase the original. Mm -mm. That still exists. I haven't watched the original. Neither have I. Oh. Interesting. I, I mean, I watched... No, no, no. I watched... Uh, oh, now I have, but I mean... Oh. Wait, no, wait. Have I? <laughs> See, I get those two confused, but I know there's like so many of them. You what, know, it's what's and then there's because there's the ring two and then grudge two and then over in Japan, there's ring two, ring three, ring four. And the then in grudge series. four, this and that. So I don't even know which ones I've seen anymore. But I remember seeing Gogo Verbinski's in the theater. Mm -hmm. Well, because then a year later, he would go into Pirates of the Caribbean mm -hmm. and that truly launched him. Oh, yeah. So it's great to see him in a lot of our favorite genre, film, genre filmmakers getting their start in horror. And rewatching this, I was taken back by a couple things. Number one, I don't want to get creeps and nostalgia here, but Naomi Watts is just almost distractingly beautiful in this movie. And again, I don't want to be creepy. I don't want to be that forty-year-old guy. But I was—it was—it's like watching John Hamm in Baby Driver. I'm just like, God damn! I was just—I was almost distracted by it, which you is weird and creepy to say. But I'm being truthful here. It's just like one of those like, wow. I just wow you know who distracted me was the son the son gave me the heebie-jeebies he plays creepy he's like, like a naturally creepy he's like a 50 year old man trapped in a 12 year old body and there's something disturbing about it laying the dress out for her there's just some... so, like uh, are you possessed by like some uh, like gentleman you know from the from the way back when if only he was because he was like i know it's something's here and I'm like, stop it. You know, he, you're the, he's the creep, second creepiest thing in this movie. You're predisposed to probably be terrified with both of these films based on a couple of principles. Creepy kids. And, and scurry is scary. Yeah. So I can only imagine at this point kind of white you white knuckling your way through this. <laughs> um, number two, I had a couple of moments going, oh, I forgot Brian Cox is in this movie. Right. Fucking shit up. I forgot that um, uh, little Brody Jenner is in this film. Uh, no, uh, no, not Brody Jenner. Um, oh, good Lord. Uh, he was in Jennifer's body. Uh, to the Emdibas. Well, not yet. Yeah, and Amber Taylor. Adam Brody. Adam Brody. Adam Brody was in this? Yeah, he was, uh, he was one of the, oh, the, yeah. the little local teens that's talking about, like, you don't know about the tape? That's right, because I was yeah. like, where have I seen him before? No, that's just it, and that's the in the Amber Tamberlin. Yeah, it's having those moments of going, oh, God, and they're so young mm -hmm. back 20 years ago because we were all younger back 20 years ago. Uh, the, the performance of Brian Cox I really dug, and I should say, uh, standout year for VCRs and VHS tapes. And, that and, was... and 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 long black hair in front of faces. Uh, okay, Samara, she's freaky. Yes, she is. She's scary. And my favorite, the other thing that I really dug is it's basically a subversion of a lot of traditional ghost and haunting stories, 
where once you find the body and you set them and free, you bury it then like hey you should go good but no she was evil from the get because i want to burn things down to the ground i like i like doing bad stuff terrifying yeah. terrifying and you're not expecting that and the fact of the matter is it's done like through media that like we're probably watching and like i remember like getting the ring on vhs with the lenticular cover yes right and i think i gave it away a few times and putting it into the thing and next thing you know i'm just waiting for the call you're gonna die in seven days you know i'm like fuck and that has seeped into the popular consciousness now yes it is and even made fun i mean there's well, even yeah. like there's parodies of it there's like all sorts of like scary movies shit going on coming out of the well and i'm sure there's like other parodies of the ring because i mean like well do you think then anyone associated with the ring did grow up in the 80s and their fear of wells came from like a baby jessica right at that point because <laughs> we were very much fearful of things like that or growing up on tv of things coming out of it cronenberg right. style yeah so i you know what in fairness i'm sure this movie launched a thousand fears and a thousand fetishes because you know what i'm thinking like if people are coming out of the tv like that how come let me change the channel and see what other channels i can get people come out of the tv at <laughs> See if I can get the ring to unscramble some shit. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if you want them crawling through the unscrambly there. That you don't know what's coming out, my friend. That's the Cronenberg stuff. Long that live truly, the unscrambled. Yeah. <laughs> but that whole moment too. I remember people talking about that moment in the theater. Losing their shit. Do you by any chance remember that? I remember freaking out like fuck because you know that was something totally new before it was parodied to death. You just see something come out of the TV and, and the fuck way somebody up. Yeah, she is just coming out. unnervingly moved, and the next thing you know, just glitch, glitch, <gasps> and then right in front of your face, glitch, glitch, and right there, mm. there's no escape. Mm -hmm. You're like, well, shit, and the fact that she can appear anywhere, you're not safe. Nope, in cars, you you you'll get probably she probably comes out of the radio. No, you know, stay away from horses. You know what? I'm surprised they haven't like me remade the ring now with like she coming out of the TVs, like the self-piloting cars and shit coming out of GPSs, coming out of like big banners. Well, in 2002, I remember probably around that same time, I probably bought my first DVD mm -hmm. and that was really starting that initial transfer and conversion. Yeah. Uh, but VCRs, VHS, I mean, that was still very much a thing. Scene. Yeah. So it that's kind of already some nostalgia involved in that um now i just was pleasantly surprised with this one and again just distracted by naomi watts and the cinematography uh, it lush it just looks moist and wet uh, trigger warning for horses though again, i was yeah. not ready for that and who is ready for that and so i remember seeing this in the theater with my brother and uh when the horse jumped up, he kind of like laughed, like, what the fuck? <laughs> kind of like that. And at the same time, that would normally have been like me going, ha <laughs> But even then, I was like, like oh, the fuck? No. You know, I felt yeah. bad for the horse because the horse didn't do nothing. I still, I feel worse now, you know? So, no, that was the one casualty. You've grown, my friend. That shows <laughs> growth. I like that. I like that. Uh, final thoughts on the ring there, genius? I enjoy it. I, I did. I enjoy it. It's, yeah. I, I need to give the other sequels a chance but i like the fact that evil still is going to be evil mm -hmm. no matter how hard you try and like save the day you just got to pass it on to somebody else that's the message of the just pass it on to somebody Copy and else. paste see Copy if follow should have took some messages from the ring i got uh, some very similar similar vibes on that as well uh now going from uh an american remake 
to a Japanese OG. We've got Jew on the Grudge, and we did talk the, the one OG, the OG OG, the one shot on video OG. That one was disturbing as fuck. And I think because it was so much more of a low budget affair. When you kind of compare it to, because this one is very much polished. Yeah, this very one looks, polished, very very Hollywood, very not Hollywood. No, it just, just had more money. Mm-hmm. It they were able very to studio. light things. Yeah, and I was genuinely kind of creeped out with this one. Uh, this was a first time viewing. Uh, watched it at home up on the my projector and everything, and mm-hmm. I've got the surround sound, which is good. Uh, All of that just resonated and freaked me out the sound design in this movie is so terrifying but let me ask you something mm-hmm. first time viewing no oh because i back i remember backwards engineering from this movie because at our blockbuster we had a decent j-horror section because style of the time yeah right the the so when the juno and grudge came out they were like hey let's bring the og and put it down there and try and trick people you know and it worked Right, so I know a few times like, man, this ain't got Sarah Michelle Geller in it. A lot of people came back like angry at this, and That's I'm like, funny. all right, I'm gonna check it out because I want to see, you know, because I know a lot of people back then and still to this day do not like subtitles, mm-hmm. you know. So we got a lot of angry returns on this one. So I I remember seeing this one and thinking like, okay, because I remember seeing the Grudge in the theater. Mm-hmm. So I was like, let's see what this one's the hubbub's all about. Right. And I enjoyed it, but at the same time, the same arguments are going to come as I had then, as I had now. Get the fuck out of the house. Why are you coming back to it? The whole time jumps are coming lost at, and I would not be scared of the kitty cats or the kitty cat kids. Kind of the kitty cat kids, but the mom creeping down the stairs. Fuck no. That is when I leave and I bounce and I never return again. Then we wouldn't if... if (laughs) Thankfully, we have horror films, so you can mm-hmm. live your life that way. But uh, we wouldn't have the horror films, you know, if people didn't keep going back to the house. And that's my cur- that's my curiosity was: how did you react to the cats? Here's the thing. So there's some, there's a there's, big jump scare in this movie where um, <laughs> she like opens up her eyes and there's a cat on her chest and she's like the cat's like Meow! and then she goes and closes back her up eyes again and then when she opens up in the room there's like two dozen black cats and she's like ah and she starts screaming. If I opened up my eyes and there was two dozen black cats in the house or in my room, I wouldn't be like, ah, I'd be like, yay, right? And I'd just go around and play with the kitty cats because, like, that'd be rad. And apparently if they're there and they're chill, they want to be my friends, so hey, we're going to play. I got enough kibble for one day at least. Hopefully he's not hearing that right now. I guarantee you Biscuit's hearing this going, oh, yeah, that's the case. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah I'm going to invite all my cats. friends over. And next thing you know, it's going to be like a Tom and Jerry episode. What's going on in here? They're all like playing musical instruments and mama, shit. Mama, 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 you cello. <laughs> right? Because I got the maracas. You know, so it'll you should, work. should still have some sort of like a coconut, coconut bra. bra. Yeah, I got it. I got I got all, I think I put on a whole fucking musical number. But no, I wouldn't have been scared of the kitty cats. And I wouldn't have been scared of the little kid going, Meow! I'd be like, get the fuck out of my house. But as soon as like, as soon as disconjointed <laughs> Spider Woman starts coming down the stairs, fuck no, fuck no. Well, I always know you've always been have said you that doesn't freak you out. And maybe I'm getting older, but it kind of creeped me out, man. There, there was were... some parts that creeped me out. Like if I heard the, 
meow cat, the mean cat out of nowhere, or like the little kid doing, 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 running around. It gave me some big insidious vibes. Mm-hmm. You know, especially when the tiptoe through the tool. Good thing I wasn't thinking of that when I was watching the movie because that would have lost me. You would have. Yeah, I would have. I would have thought of Japanese Tiny Tim, and my mind would have gone in a million different directions. Well, I but do like the it. Fact- did scare me when the kid was running around. Well, yeah. Well, and I like the fact that they uh, take multiple approaches in the narrative with certain perspectives, and again, it just tells the tale of this horrible killing that happened in the house, and now it is haunted. It's cursed, cursed. and it's very basic. But basic works, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's the foundation of all the scares. And I got to give it points. I forgot it's an anthology. Yeah. And but it's a little confusing if you don't know the backstory how to or if you don't it. know how to follow what's going on because oh. it doesn't hold your hand. That's the cool thing, though, of international horror is that cultural translation and the cultural shock or culture shock that we get where there are certain things that they probably won't explain. They're going to go ahead and just assume you're aware, you know, and. Just move forward with it, mm-hmm. which I like. Don't get me wrong. But again, I get how people have issues with that. Now, obviously, we got a lot to say about both these films. So let's see which one goes into the next round. Uh, Genius McGee, Between the Ring and Jew on the Grudge, which one is closer to your heart? Uh, I remember seeing the ring in the theater, but I remember such the fervor of when June on the Grudge came out. <laughs> the to people pissed off but i remember (laughs) so it always gives me kind of a giggle but at the same time i remember also being really freaked out by samara coming out of the well plus it hits kind of close to home because you have tapes at the time and like (laughs) what if like all of a sudden shit comes out like that so yeah i'm gonna go for close to the heart i'm gonna go to the ring that is fair that is fair this one, uh, again, because I didn't see either in the theater, was not necessarily late to both of them, but I don't have a lot of nostalgia towards the films. That being said, got a lot of nostalgia towards VCRs and VHS tapes. Uh, got a no- lot of nostalgia for the We Hate Movies podcast that actually did an episode on The Ring, and it's one of their We Love movies. And because of all that kind of second nature in love, I'm also going to give my vote to The Ring. Now, from the heart to the head... Our bracket topic is uh, we've got homicidal hauntings. So however we want to break that down or interpret, Genius, what are you thinking about? I'm not going to go into a murder house, right? If someone's like, hey, this house is haunted, there's some ill shit, or as soon as I see a ghost, I'm going to be bounced. I'm not going to stick around and stay, right? At the same time, it goes like, man, this tape is fucked up. You got to check it out. At the time, and probably still now, I'd be like, all right, let's pop it in. Let's see what we got. It's not snuff, is it? No, but it's fucking weird. All right, cool. All right, I've seen some weird shit. Let's pop it on. And if I got a phone call, you're going to die in seven days? Fuck, all right, cool. I'm not going to try and solve the mystery. I'm going to live those seven days up. <laughs> so at least here's the good thing about Samara. At least she gives you warning. You know what I'm saying? And then at the same time, at, again, I'm not going to wake up. Ah, kitty cats. Yay, kitty cats. So for that, I think more haunting is going to be for the ring. That is fair. Because I might, fair. I think I might actually have some cursed tapes in my collection as it is. Some shit that shouldn't see the light of day. So uh, Let's hope we keep it that way. Um, <laughs> I am actually looking at the hauntings aspect of this one. And for Samara to haunt and for that whole thing to work she had to put together this like 
French new new wave student like film? student art film, like, right? <laughs> and I don't know if she shot it herself or who she hired for it. Bananas slowly rotting in the sun and fucking <laughs> time is fini. And just like so what was what did Barney say at the end of his? Don't cry for me, I'm already dead. I half expected to see that. So there was a lot of work that goes into her haunting. Never mind the fact that someone may not watch it because how many unwatched VHS tapes are out there, right? And then there's word of mouth. So she was doing like hashtags on social media back in the day before. And Juwan is very basic again. It's, you know, someone died and then there's the haunting. But for the haunting to occur with Samara, there's so much work involved. (laughs) So much happening. So I'm going to go with the ring with that one. Especially because she's down in the well. So she's got a lot more issues to deal with. The the guys from the ring or the Juwan, they got a whole house. They're they living comfortably. Set, right? yeah. <laughs> they're, 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 they're good to go. Well, by a uh, score of four to zero, <laughs> making its way into the round of the Scream 16 <laughs> is the ring. Thankfully, you don't have to wait seven days for us to talk about that one. Right. <laughs> well, going from ghosts to something that is a little bit more sometimes sexy, sometimes scary, but always packs and has a bite. We're looking at uh, our next bracket topic, and we went a number of places with this one, but we finally settled on vampire versus vampire, not a Kramer versus Kramer. Or a spy versus spy. (laughs) But we've got uh, Blade 2 going up against Queen of the Damned. Genius, which one do we talk first? Let's talk uh, Queen of the Damned. Ah, Queen of the Damned. Are you ready? I really was not prepared for the amount of new metal right? in this movie. Was this a first time for you? This was a first time viewing this for me. This is the first time for me. Ah, so I like it when this happens. Now, I remember hearing a lot about this movie right. back before it released because you know what movie I did see in the theater? Hmm. Romeo Must Die. Me too. Aha, me so too. I was familiar with Aaliyah's work and I, I dug her in the movie and- when I had I there was a lot of hubbub. And she was all over. She's on the poster. They had music videos of her. She's coming out dancing around, being all sexy, being Aaliyah. Well, and I also recently watched for the first time last year interview with a vampire. Oh yeah. Very sexy. Oosh. Very sexy. Muy sexual. So I had uh Tom Cruise's Lestat performance still fairly fresh on the mind. To then compare that to Stuart, uh, Stuart Townsend, which I almost called him like Copeland a couple of times, which would have been dif- different and rhythmic. Copeland. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> definitely gives a different performance, and it's not bad. But it what I don't know if it really bothered me, but there's something about the fact that glam metal did nothing for Lestat. Punk rock, nothing. Fucking the, the intricacy of like thrash metal, nothing. nothing. But again, the. Or whatever. New metal. Mm. Hey, party. Right, hey, let's, let's, at least I could imagine like yacht rock. He can't do yacht rock because like you can't do the sailing sunsets and shit like that. And like going not fishing. Right. Putting so, on a lot of sunscreen <laughs> to maintain that lifestyle, my friend. Only the new metal. And I'm going to sound just like uh, Jonathan Davis. I mean, good on that. Of oh, course, and, style of the times. And he cameos in the movie he mm-hmm. shows up at the as very like end. A, as like a bouncer goon which is kind of funny yeah it is uh and had a couple of rick dalton you know hey who's in this movie uh marguerite moreau as our kind of our main girl in this one mm-hmm. <laughs> now i see 
I was creeps and nostalgia back with the ring. Would you like to take the title now, my friend? Uh, yeah, she was lovely. She was like, she reminded me of the love child of Isla Fisher and, uh, oh, who else did I say? It was Isla Fisher and I can't even think of who I was talking you're, you're, about. You're, you're blinded in thought by her beauty, my Kate friend. Ma uh, Mara, uh, Kate Mara. Mara. Was it Murray? Kate, Kate Mara. Kate Mara or Rooney? Rooney Mara. No, it Rooney was Kate Ma Mara. Yeah, Kate Mara. <laughs> Regardless, you were you you had a moment. I was like, hey, good, you had multiple moments. Good job, Lestat. This was a sexy movie too, because I mean, when you have Aaliyah being gorgeous, mm -hmm. and then, um, but it wasn't as sexy as the Interview with the Vampire. And what? since this is my first viewing, and I'm very familiar with the Interview with the Vampire, I wasn't ready for the amount of non as sexual. It was fairly chaste compared to that. It's supposed to all just go back, you know, 10 years to 1992 with Bram Stoker's Dracula, mm -hmm. or excuse me, Francis Ford Coppola's, Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> and especially for being an Anne Rice novel. Yeah, and of course, you know, rest in peace, Anne Rice. She, rest in peace, Aaliyah. Yes. Oh, well, I. here's the issue I have with the film. The title is Queen of the Damned. On the poster. It's Aaliyah as Queen of the Dam. Stuart Townsend's in the background. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's my own issues, but I wanted more. More of Queen of the Dam. Yes. Exactly. Here's the thing. She didn't seem like that big of a threat. You know, the whole entire time, like, uh, not to be creeps and nostalgia, but not a deal breaker. She's like, come on, Lestat, be my uh, vampire king. I'd be like, cool. You know? So you got to kill all these people? Cool. Wake up at a beach. There's all this dead party goer. There goes Elvis and his clam bake. Like, oh, what happened here? Well, we must feed their cattle. Cool. Right? I'm the naughty vampire god. But then at the same time, here's another issue that I have. Because I'm the same thing. I want a more Aaliyah. Because then when she comes in and she starts fucking shit up and killing vampires, she's just like, poof, 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 poof. And they explode. I want to see more of that. But she always was very serpentine. -like. See, that's what I really liked. And, I really liked her performance. And even in this. the way she was talking was and very serpentine. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. There was just something. It was more like Lair of the White Worm Vampires. Yes, it was. Mm, yes. And I wanted to see more of that, of that sure. as opposed to like a corn video. <laughs> I mean, if you did corn videos, cool, but I also want to see Vampire Queen of the Damned action. And But here's another thing, beef that I have this, with this movie. What the fuck was going on? Because at the like the last like third of it, we're introduced to this vampire family and like the the nerdy like uh, the nerdy uh, academia turned into like the hot goth and mm -hmm. fell in love with Lestat and all that mm -hmm. stuff. Apparently, she had magical bloodline. That was really never explained. Did I miss something with the whole like family? And you have to imagine there's a lot lost in translation from book to screen, right? Because I was you like, know. "Who's this vampire? And who's that well, vampire? What's this vampire? Okay, so what's their deal? Vampire Claudia Black in this one was Tristan Risk for I looked, thought I thought that I was like, "Holy shit! I didn't know Tristan Risk was in this movie." It looked so hauntingly like Tristan Risk. It took me out of the movie for a second. I was like, is that Miss Risk? I was like, oh, it's Claudia Black. I like Claudia Black. Yeah, Claudia Black actually. Oh, when what, when did Pitch Black come out? Was that 2000? And, did we have that on In the Mouth? We had Black? it as an honorable okay. mention. Because she's prominent in that one as well, which mm -hmm. was a nice thing. Uh, there was the Lars Ulrich looking vampire. The one that looked like Evan Peters? <laughs> yes. Right? Uh, there it was a big like Richard Mull looking in mid transformation goon one, and they're supposed to be like it's like a, we're the protectors yeah. of the sacred blood, and we've been watching over you for thousands of years. For what? I don't New metal. I, they were waiting. 
They actually, their whole purpose probably wasn't necessarily to stop Aaliyah, the Queen of the Damned Lestat. It was to stop new metal from going on. I guess so, because like it just, I really just tours. did kind of stop, didn't it? Yeah. They were just a few years too late on that one. This one, I actually, I did have fun with this. Me too. Based on the cast, based on it really felt 2002 with the soundtrack. And again, just kind of the style, the style, the style of the time. The times. Uh, this was directed by Michael Reimer. Who actually, and I'm looking at his filmography here, and again, not comparing and contrasting to GDT, actually did a lot of TV work after this, and has still been working, which is always good, which is always good. But no, definitely, I'm glad I've been able to jump into this world, because again, Anne Rice created goth for a lot of people, Mm -hmm. and made vampires sexy again. Oh, yeah. So, gotta love what she did with that. Now, a movie that's very tonally different... Um, from sexy vampires to like mean vampires. Oh my goodness! But one that I know both of us experienced in the theater. Oh yeah, Guillermo del Toro's Blade Two mm-hmm. or The Blade Two. Yeah, The Blade Part Two. And I remember legit loving this movie. I remember thinking how crazy over the top it is. The fact that he's incorporating wrestling moves. Yeah. Big time wrestling moves. This is del Toro kind of embracing. All sorts of things in his vampire movie. Making action figures, basically. He's off the top rope and making a new type of vampire. The Riva. Right. Which which the, the whole like predator... Mandible thing? Right. Terrifying. Mm-hmm. In fact, I like the subversion in the opening scene when you've got his... Oh, yes, let me take you in and... Take you to a blood bank. The blood bank. And then him turning everything on them, the, the blood and the gore. And this is a gory movie. And a lot of good practical stuff, but mm-hmm. I, the only beef I really have with it is the use of CGI, uh, especially in that one when they're scene. walking when they're in the front of the lights. Yes, yeah, battling there. I love what he was going for at the time, and he's also been someone that is a a big a, a proponent of combining practical and CGI. Mm-hmm. And it just that portion didn't work for me. Everything else, I'm on board. Yeah. Oh, you're gonna give me Donnie Yen. Awesome. You're going to give me that mean guy from The Fast and the Furious. Cool. Vince. You're, you're going to give us uh, Beast from Beauty and the Beast, fucking Ron Perlman. Ron friggin' Perlman. And you're going to give him Norman Reedus before he was and, Hillbilly Justice. And you're going to bring Chris Christopherson back? Right. Okay. It's The Blade. It's Wesley Snipes. Why not? Why not? And then you add on that whole group that has been brought together to take down The Blade, The mm-hmm. Blood Pack. Their introduction is great. Everything is still very much leathery. <laughs> Super leathery. Lots of leather in this movie. And going into the House of Pain, which she is actually one of the early Martas in Arrested Development. Oh, really? I think she's Marta number one. Huh. Yes. We'll always have that connection there. Uh, now, I legit love this movie, but I here's the thing. I haven't watched Blade 3 yet because I've heard of the stuff with it. I saw Blade 3 in the theater. I've yeah. seen every Blade in the theater, and I plan on keeping the streak alive with the new Blade, except like the made-for-TV movie, The Sticky Blade. Sticky Fingers? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 rewatching this one, I had a blast with it. it. It felt a little long. Don't get me Don't get me wrong. I, I'll take all the no, GDT it I tell, can. It could have it it lost a little few minutes, but that's, you know, Del Toro being Del Toro. Let's fill it with atmosphere and monsters but, and, and, and explosions. Wesley Snipe, probably at the peak of his game man i am talking the physicality the smarm the deliveries mm-hmm. everything in this blade is just damn near pitch perfect yeah and this is a great 
Blade movie. Probably oh, probably better than the first one, Sans the uh, rave scene. Yeah, that first one, it's kind of bloaty in the middle, but the opening and oh, God, that's a, that's an all-timer. Mm-hmm. Again, go back to our 2019 Into the Mouth of March Madness. But Norman Reedus has come up and this is great. Just the whole <laughs> boop. And you know, I'm a familiar bee, and he's got that little tattoo on his inner lip. Ah, 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 ah. Well, a lot of love given to both of these films. Oh yeah, one, Luke Goss. Luke Goss as the main reaver. But the yeah, they he was Donnie Yen was underutilized. Sad. That's all we're gonna Extremely say. Extremely underutilized. Go he, see. I seek out his him. other stuff. I wanted to see him again. We gave beef about Queen of the Damned. I'm getting beef with the with the Blade too, like. Don't have you Donnie in die off screen. That's bullshit. Yep. But yep. at least we got a lot of good Ron Perlman action. A lot of Ron Perlman. A lot of Ron Perlman. Uh, let's go ahead and break it down. See which one goes into the next round here, genius. So Blade 2 versus Queen of the Damned. Which one is closer to your heart? Uh, since this was the first time viewing of Queen of the Damned and I saw Blade 2 in the theater, I got to go Blade 2 in the theater. I really enjoyed it then. I mean, I was like, man, that movie was fucking great. From the dude who did Mimic, because yeah. I loved Mimic at the time, too. So I was down for monsters, and I was down for Del Toro. So. And Del Toro is always down with monsters. And this is not necessarily a tough one for me, because I do love Blade Two. I love the original Blade. I really liked Queen of the Damned. Mm-hmm. I really like Interview with the Vampire. But, you know, Into the Mouth of March Madness is not about like. It's about love. So Blade Two is closer to my heart. Now, that being said, looking at the bracket topic, and we went very basic. Vampire versus vampire. Mm-hmm. How do you break it down? How do you interpret that one, genius? Well, I'm looking at the overall like actual spectacle of the vampire versus the vampire. Now, it took a whole bunch of vampires to bring the Queen of the Dam down, right? I mean, they all had to like take their turns, like drawing blood, but that seemed a little prolonged. It's like fucking just go for it. Somebody just like bite it, right? So that was cool. But the fact, like, you took on a whole sewer full of vampires, that the, the Daywalker had to team up with vampires to stop, no, like, right, to take on other worse vampires. And then at the end, the vampire was like, hey, I'm going to fuck up all these vampires. And all the vampires fucking hated everybody of the vampires. You know, there was no, like, if no shades of gray. I'm sure there was other vampires rocking out to Lestat's constants like, hey. My name ain't Bennett and I ain't in it, you know, just, but meanwhile, you have down in the sewers, just a whole bunch of vampire fucking up vampire action. So for vampire versus vampire, I'm going to go the blade too. And I was going to kind of take a literal approach with this because there is vampire on vampire action in both films. (laughs) In lots of senses of the term. Yeah, very much so. But only in Queen of the Damned do we very much get a magic sense based on her, like, Aaliyah's powers of some sort of combustion, mm-hmm. which I I, I kind of like with my vampires. I'm not yeah, going to lie. Yeah, that was cool. Some, some element of that. That was super cool. Blade is very much technical, precise. It's all about action and guns. So vampire versus vampire, anytime they can incorporate fire with nothing but, like, you know, a look, mm-hmm. and at least if Aaliyah is giving you your last look, right? I'm going to go down in flames. But going down in flames, being open to the sunlight, uh, <laughs> Going on their last uh, uh, Family Values tour, Blade 2 goes into the round of the Scream 16. Oh, waka kaka. <laughs> now, going from vampires to another monster that has made its presence felt into the mouth of March Madness from the beginning, we love us some zombie movies. Mm-hmm. But are they zombies? 
which is the main thing of our bracket topic where we are asking, uh, I, I should just, just say, going viral. Mm-hmm. Now, we have Danny Boyle's 28 Days Later going up against... Paul W.S. Anderson's Resident Evil. Don't call me... Um, there will be blood. Don't call me Boogie Nights. Uh, which one do we start with there, Genius? Let's do 28 Days Later. Ah. I wish we had it out here, but dong. Yeah, right off the bat, the gong, the dong gong has been rung. I, There's for, gratuitous dong, but only for the first thing. For the, I'm surprised that like there's a lot of people like oh, got out and walked out in the theater. You know, but this played at Studio 30 on Strangline Road. Okay, again, going outside your normal mm-hmm. wheelhouse. And I was like, I heard a lot about it. Like, oh, it's changing the name of zombie movies. Mm-hmm. You know, Danny Boyle is the, the from the makers of Train Spotting. I'm, that was and I'm like, jam. I like Train Spotting a lot, right? So I'm gonna see what he does with zombies. Cool, right? And uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought like this movie is cool. These aren't zombies. And it's gotten me not in like debates and arguments, but discussions. Like, I can back up my, I I can show my work on this absolutely. And so like, oh, it's a zombie movie. It's not a zombie movie. They're just infected with rage. Zombies cannot die of normal means, and they cannot starve to death. And it should be noted, we are animal lovers. Yeah, but it's fucking PETA. animal lovers. Fucking PETA. You know, you, you can love, you can be passionate about anything, but when you take it to the extreme, especially like when the sign is like, do not let them out, you know, it's, they're filled, they're infected. At that point in time, you're like, okay, cool, maybe, what are they infected with? Right. We want the animals to be free. Of course, we love the animals at the same time, but it's going to bring the downfall of society. You might, you know what, even if it was a kitty cat, they're like, hey, this kitty cat can bring on earth, uh, the hell on earth and reanimate the dead. And I'm like... I'm going to leave that kitty cat where he's at. Not going to be joining the family. He's, he's not going to be my friend. Let's go ahead and put him back in his cage. Two instances where I did giggle at re-watching this one. Um, <laughs> the monkeys and the, the dong? The monkeys and the dong. Because, again, it was PETA that put all of this into play. And, again, my, we love us some, some animals, and we hate to see any kind of animal testing going on. But the, the goddamn film shot on shot digitally was one of the few films back in the day that was, and it definitely has that look. Mm-hmm. And then that opening scene when he walks out and everything's deserted. Just deserted. It's creepy. It's terrifying because it normally should be busy. And then the amount of work they went in it just to, to clear the street. And, goddamn, Brendan Gleeson in this. See, that's the thing. Okay, oh, when, oh. You, when your savior is Brendan Gleeson, you're either in for a heartbreaking time or you're in for some violence. Because it never ends well with and Brendan Gleeson. In this case, it was both. Yeah, it never ends well with Brendan Gleeson. His, his whole, get the fuck away from me. <laughs> when he starts going through the change. <laughs> right? It's it's sad it is because you grow to love these characters because you don't want anything bad to happen to no and by the time we get we insert the military into it it becomes an entirely different film Mm -hmm. and that's the thing that i remember a first time viewing of it took me by surprise and i had issues with killian murphy becoming this badder than badass military guys i'm like oh it's the military how can you undo the military you can always undo the military Mm -hmm. you know you can if, if the desire is there you're gonna take care of business uh, but because they're awful because again you think they're the, your they're saviors and they're there to like well we just need the women so bye worse than the rage people yeah well and again what uh, rage people are people mm. they've got that 
potential in mm-hmm. us all. But whatever the virus is, is it just you know unleashes it on us. Yep. Uh, violent, visceral. This movie is still scary. Yeah. When the jump scares kick in, um, that theme. That oh. doing, that building yes. theme in the last so twenty good. minutes. The so soundtrack good. of this is great. It's really good. I mean, it is a really good soundtrack. Danny Boyle had his finger on the pulse of music at mm-hmm. that time. Um, trying to think of just other general stuff. Naomi Harris is fantastic in this. Uh, no, yeah, Naomi Harris, and just the fact that like they're fast. Yeah, it's and they're not going to eat you because that's not their thing. They're not zombies. They're just going to fuck you yeah. up. They're just going to like just beat you to death. Odds are they're going to puke in your face, right, and turn you into one of them. And the fact that they run, ah, oh, uh, and, and then so that tunnel it. scene. Oh, uh, when they're oh. when they're she's filling when she's trying to um, fix the tire, and then all of a sudden all these rats come out. Wow, that gave me the heebies to jeebies. Because one, you know, if there's a whole army of rats, that's not going to be good for anybody. And second of all, they're running from something, and sure enough, here comes like hooligans. Here come virus hooligans running around, jumping over cars to fuck you up like they like their rugby tournament just lost. That's just it. I'd like to think that if they still carried maybe some of their basic instincts, if you had actually like a football or a rugby thing, you could throw it aside and they'd chase it. And then yeah. just go around and like Ooh, start. Just, just for a second, you know. Now it's 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 fell also within that time frame because the uh, Dawn of the Dead remake would come out in two thousand four mm-hmm. and also reintroduce. They were technically zombies. Yeah. But anything fast. Fuck all good. that. No, not, not good. good. Not, not good. good at all. I remember this giving me a good scare in oh, the yeah. theaters and still a good scare today. Still, I, I agree. I agree. Now, from going to fast infected folks to slower infected folks, let's take a look at Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. And have we talked any films either on the Madness tournaments or on the main feed that had started from video games? I don't think we have, have we? No, because Alone in the Dark wouldn't count, and we haven't talked Mario Brothers. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Silent Hill we haven't touched. Uh-uh. So, yeah. So, so this, this is our first video game. And did you play the video game? Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. I played one and two on the PlayStation 1. I played three on PlayStation 2, and I played four and I haven't played five. five. I played four on PlayStation 4. Very nice. And so... So you've been there from the beginning. Oh, yeah. I've been there from the get. And I also play, like, Code Veronica. And I the played offshoots. The, the, yeah, all the offshoots. I loved me some... I remember just, like, being freaked out at the very beginning of playing Resident Evil 1 when the zombie turns around. And, like, I was like, holy shit, this is cool graphics. The, the, the whole pixelated block and turning around trying to solve puzzles and shit. The dogs jumping through the window. Mm-hmm. So when I heard they are going to make a Resident Evil movie, I'm like, fuck yeah. And it's got Mila Jojovich. I like uh, Fifth Element. Do you remember who they originally had attached to direct it, though? Who? George A. Romero. That's right. And he was going to make it a more like straight up. Mm-hmm. And I would still, to this day, would, love to see that. Absolutely. But what we got is a uh, healthily, healthy infusion of action, of video game. Thing. In fact, there's a scene in this film that is in Resident Evil 4 with the whole laser beam. Uh-huh. I've played Resident Evil 4. And the dogs jumping through the thing. Like I remember seeing, like, man... I remember, like, this is deviating far enough from the game where I'm like, I don't know if I'm liking this. But at the same time, it's got those parts in the game that I like. It's got the dogs jumping through the window. It's got the zombie turning around revealing he's all fucking weird. You know, it's got, like, uh, all the, the, the super team going in to try and clear out a little bit of the mansion. Has a we bit got of the some, aliens. Aspect. Yeah, we got some references to Raccoon City. It was almost like... 
the Batman of Resident Evil movies at the time. I was like, this isn't the Resident Evil movie I wanted, but it's the one I got. I, but I enjoyed it. And, and I remember like really being hyped after this movie and really being hyped for the next one. I remember leaving the theater going, man, that movie was fucking tight. And it had uh, Michelle Rodriguez in it. And now part two's rad because she's out of the hospital and it's Raccoon City. Oh, I was... They were smart when it came to how to end the film because, number one, they played a Day of the Dead homage with the Dead Walk with the newspaper. Mm-hmm. And her coming out, cocking the shotgun, as I was also incredible. Now, I saw this one in the theater, mm-hmm. and I had was I had actually probably rented that game to many people because at this point I was had worked at Farmore in the video department. We also had, we rented video games, and I saw that constantly coming through. But I was... I was a Nintendo loyalist, so I never played anything on the PlayStation, but I knew of the game and yeah. the gameplay, and it was a horror game. So I had no real baggage going into it, but watching it again this time and knowing what comes of it, actually, I had a lot of fun with it. I have always had a fun I, with it. I've seen every Resident Evil movie in the theater, even <laughs> when it goes <laughs> off the fucking rails. Because after part two, I was like, okay, it's kind of still staying in the same vein. Mm-hmm. But then power three comes, and I'm like, you've gone a whole fucking dude direction. Cool. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to... You're not Resident Evil in the game anymore, just in name only. But the first two I had kind of tied together. And I'm like, all right, I'll buy it. You know, I'll buy them on its own. If I had no attachment to the game at all, I'd be like this. And to this damn still, like, this is a fun fucking movie. I'm having a blast with this one. The CGI is a little dated, but when they actually get with the liquor and he's practical, it looked well. And there was some some genuine good scares. And I got some really, like, mayhem slash Belco experiment vibes at the very beginning. Absolutely, with the office building, Mm -hmm. the siege on that. It's aged pretty well. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm actually really surprised, and it's also kind of like seeing other films and movies that have been influenced from it. Like I said, you know, later uh, games in the series take stuff from this movie, mm-hmm. so it's definitely got a legacy. And the zombies themselves, the the monsters, how everything that the T was it the T virus, yeah, the T virus infects things. It, it it's it's really good actually i was surprised at how much fun i had rewatching it and it's mila jojovich kicking ass and she doesn't have like the crazy mental psychic powers yet she's just a badass you know she's just badass mila jojovich she gets mental cycle power psycho it's so weird because you're like aren't there clones later on there's like mad clones but i also thought it was cool like at the very end they're like all right you should think our hero is gonna make it to the end turns out he's affected they're like put him for the nemesis project i'm like yeah you know, I was like, oh, Resident Evil 2 is going to be, not only is it going to be Raccoon City, but there's going to be Nemesis. So little yeah. 22-year-old genius in the theater was just squealing. I was I was down. I was down. And I think that might be I might, the one, I know it's not my first Paul W. Anderson because I think that's going to be Event Horizon, Horizon. But I think that's the one where I was like, fuck yeah, Paul W. S. N. Anderson. So, and sometimes I get those still confused. Paul Thomas and Paul W. S. Well, from dour and fast to uh, basically kind of fun and slow. But see, the, here's the thing. Here, the weird thing about it is as like fun and crazy as uh, Resident Evil, it ends super dour, right? Yeah. Yeah. And as, as dour and slow as 28 Days, yeah. it ends super hopeful. Yeah. They're, they're weird contrast. Yeah. It would make a kind of a cool doubleheader, actually. It would. Probably people did back in 2002. I'm surprised you didn't actually at that point i probably did well we've got a lot of love for both films but only one can advance into the next round so genius mcgee 28 days later resident evil 
which one's closer to your heart? Oh, Resident Evil. <laughs> Resident Evil. I remember being hyped and excited for that movie and still being hyped and excited after I'd left that movie. And so that's always going to stick with me. That, that makes sense. I'm going to have to go back and listen to our selection episode. I can't remember if I saw 28 Days Later in the theater. I remember reactions to my first time seeing again the dong just the the turn in the second the, the third act the dong was shocking you're not I expecting was like, dong in the no, first scene not at all not at all but i i remember seeing resident evil in the theater because it was with my buddy kinger and i haven't talked to kinger in a while and i've got some things i've got to deal with for that and he's he's a he is a good buddy and someone i grew up with and i remember we went over to um god it was still there Oh my god! I can't even think. Uh, the old diner that used to be off of a uh, Broadway. Um, Chubby's. Chubby's. We went to Chubby's afterwards, and we talked <laughs> that's about that's dangerous, the movie. my friend. Yeah, they, Chubby's. We, that's because, but that's what we did at the time. That's right, we did. Because you know, what? you know, going out and party. I was hyped for it. So closer to the heart, it's going to be Resident Evil. Now that being said, from the heart to the head, the bracket topic is we called it going viral. Mm-hmm. So again, how do we break that down? How do you interpret that, there, genius? Um, I'm going to say when you're going viral, of course, the viral started when you had the rage infected monkeys and they turn people and then you, the, the, it turns into uh, what they say. They said it goes from um, air to pathogen to being blood based really quick. And so that's how everything happened. It all started with PETA. But <laughs> but you have the T virus. And the T virus is a fucking already established virus. The whole the reason why the whole Red Queen shut the whole thing down was to keep from the virus from getting out. And like any good virus, it mutates. And so then it makes either even more creations of the virus. So all we saw in, Re- in, in 28 Days Later was one variant of the rage virus in the humans. But in Resident Evil, we saw that it can transmit to other animals. So like a crazy swine flu. Mm-hmm. The fucking, we have uh, evil dogs. We have evil birds. We have fucking monsters and shit. Mutations. We have people turning into nemesis. And so, yeah. I think more indicative, especially the fact that it spreads out and keeps going and going and going and going. I'm going to go Resident Evil on the viral. And I I actually went a different kind of interpretation of going viral. I was actually thinking more in the message and the expansion of the franchise and the series. And 28 Days Later has a fantastic sequel that we actually... Oh, yeah. Sequel is... Sequel is... We I'm, did that for our second Nerdoween. I might say sequel is might better be better than the first one. It's fan freaking tastic. Um, but it produced a sequel. But with Resident Evil, it started as a game, became a film with at least six sequels. Mm-hmm. We recently got kind of a remake, reboot. A reboot. Yeah. Uh, we've and got then, multiple games. Then we have animated movies. We have a lot of animated movies. There's like three or four animated movies. So it has so. actually gone viral in many different mediums. And because it is a little bit more um, diverse in that, my vote also goes to Resident Evil. And oh boy. People here, are going to be pissed. How dare Paul W.S. Anderson defeat Danny Boyle? Hey, we showed her work. That's where the madness is there. Now, in our next round on Friday, in the round of the Scream 16, we are going to have the winner of the Bubba Hotep and Dog Soldiers Patreon poll going up against The Ring. And then we have The Blade 2 going up against Resident Evil. (laughs) And 
Here in the round of the Scream 16 and the round of the Hateful Eight, we do have some guests that are coming in. Now, mm-hmm. I should say, I do believe at this point, I'm because we still haven't recorded them yet, I don't want to jinx anything, but we've got some returning guests and then a first-timer to the madness itself. So, until this Friday, this is Greg D. And I'm Genius McGee. And we will see you in your dreams. That was a terrible one. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.